Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barca Talk. I am Brian Henderson, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are you doing? Um, it's it's early Sunday morning, and I'm a little bit groggy, but uh, I'm, otherwise, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's, it's been kind of a crazy week. We were talking a little bit before we were recording about the crazy week I've had, uh, some freaky situations. Um, everyone's fine, though. Had to go to the hospital with, with Megan uh, the other night, but uh, she's fine. Everything's fine. I mean, things under control, but yeah, that's roughly how I'm doing. Happy that uh, that Barcelona won yesterday, though. How are you doing? What's what's going on with you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, just uh, we're in full fall weather here, so it's starting to get a little chilly and cold. Um, but everything's good here. I had a, a easy week um, because we had Wednesday off for All Saints Day, so that was kind of nice to have a midweek holiday. Other than that, just been chucking along my week, and uh, yeah, definitely happy that. Barcelona was able to get the victory last night. It was a, a tough match that we have a lot of comments about for sure. Yeah, and so actually, let me go back to the All Saints Day thing. So, like in Spain, they still observe All Saints Day as like a holiday. Everything shuts down. Are there any other slightly, you know, second tier Catholic holidays that they take off? I mean, not really. They usually also they have the um, the patron saint of Madrid Day. That's also something. Um, they also have, obviously, the national, I think it's October 10th, if I remember correctly. There's just random sprinkled-in holidays here and there. But uh, the big payoffs are for Christmas and Holy Week. Uh, for for example, at Christmas, we get about two and a half to three weeks off. And for Holy Week, we get about 12 days off. So that's really, really nice to have. Wow. So how how Catholic does Spain feel to you? Um, you know, it doesn't feel any different than any other country, but it's just, you know, it's so ingrained into the culture, into the history of Spain. So, you know, yeah. that's just how it is. But, you know, it's, you know, it's, for example, in the U.S., right, we have so many diverse uh, religious backgrounds and so forth. So we don't have these national holidays. But I kind of like having that because it's kind of like these free holidays that we don't have to waste on vacation days. So, for example, for Christmas, our school closes like on the 20th or something, I think, the 19th. And we don't open up again until the 7th of January. So that's super nice. Yeah. Are you going to be coming back to the States for Christmas or are you just going to be hanging out in Spain? No, I'm going to be hanging out in Spain. I'm actually, I was just looking at flights. I'm going to be coming back for Holy Week most likely, which I have, I think, 11 days. So I'm going to use that time to come back to the Bay Area, visit family. 
Yeah, it's a good time to come back. Nice in the spring, it's nice. Exactly. I'm I'm lucky enough. I have a friend here that I go to his family's friend's house. They have a a village home here, so they just take me in as their adopted cousin slash brother. And I've been there for the last two Christmas, and it's been really really nice. Get away from Madrid a little bit, um, and I'm also there for about five days. And they've kind of adopted me, like I said, as the American cousin. So that's a lot of fun to go down there and celebrate Christmas with my friend's family. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, um, I have to, I have to give a uh, an apology or a, a mea culpa to the listeners. Um, it's it's probably not a big deal or that big a deal, but I just want to put it out there. So last week when I was editing the last episode, I made a little mistake, and uh, some music wound up under your interview with Francesc from the Barcelona podcast, and I just want to own that. Um, I was editing the episode at the end of a very long day out in Boston, and I was also doing it while I was watching that ridiculously long Game 5 of the World Series. <laughs> so I guess my focus wasn't really like at its best. Um, but come Monday morning, I was alerted to this weird moment uh, during your interview with Francesc, and uh, I fixed it. So sorry about that, and if anyone... Uh, listen to that episode like first thing like right after I posted it Monday morning-ish time late Sunday night um, and there was that music underneath the interview with Francesc if you go and sort of like listen if you like delete that or whatever and listen to it now it's fine it's fixed so if you want to hear it clean uh, you can do that Um, I hope it wasn't too much of a distraction Um, I don't think it was that weird but and again I guess it wasn't that big a deal but you know I just want to Say, sorry about that. It's fixed. Um, I won't say it won't happen again, but I will try and take steps in the future to, to avoid that. It's, you know, it's so just a programming note. Yeah, it's quite all right. I mean, I totally understood that, especially after your long weekend and also when you're coming back from Boston. So it's totally understandable, Brian. We'll forgive you this one time, but look out for next time. You have This is your first strike. Yeah, and I mean, how am I how am I going to get all that freelance work editing other people's podcasts that I'm looking for? <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not closed off to that, honestly. But uh, yeah, these things happen. Anyway, uh, sorry about that, and and we'll we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> Usually, I'm pretty good about that. But anyway, on to the show. Uh, today we have a, a number of things to talk about. We have plenty of listener comments. Um, Good news coming out of the Barcelona B team and the women's team. Uh, We're going to recap La Liga a little bit. And then we have two matches from the first team to talk about. Uh, One was a bit of a snore, and the other one was very exciting, I think. And uh, so let's get into it, right? Sounds good. Let's do it. So first up, let's check in with what our listeners have to say this week. Uh, We got a message from Carlos on Facebook, and he actually has two questions. Uh, The first one, uh, you might be interested in this, Gabriel, Uh, he wants to petition to nickname my boy Umtiti the mailman because he always delivers. And then he says, please breathe. I'm serious about this. So my initial response was, yeah, he's, uh, Umtiti is like our, our Carl Malone. What do you think about calling Umtiti the mailman? I'm a little on the fence about it just because it's such a, a well-known nickname for Carl Malone. Yeah, I'm a little apprehensive uh, with it because, A, I'm not really a big Carl Malone fan. Uh, I understand what Carlos was trying to get at. I, I appreciate his creativity with the nickname, but I think we can come up with something a little better. Because uh, also here, the post office here is terrible, so it doesn't really work internationally. Like, 
like you think of the U.S. type of thing with the mailman. So I, you know, I'm 50-50, mainly because I don't really like Carl Malone that much. I wasn't a really big fan of his, but I do appreciate Carlos's uh, creativity with it. Yeah, I'm a much bigger fan of Jimmy Kimmel's impression of Carl Malone. Did you ever see that back in the day? I have seen that. I have seen that. And and my favorite part about Carl Malone was trying to figure out what he says when he shot free throws. I don't know if you knew. He, every time he shot free throws, he always mumbled like some sort of sentence that you can kind of make out some of the words, but you, no one ever knew because he never told anybody. But that was <laughs> just his own little secret. Yeah, it's like his little mantra. It's like, come on, baby, make the free throw. Come on, baby, come on, baby, you know, something. And he made the free throw. <laughs> 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 okay, so the jury's still out on on what we might want to uh, nickname Umtiti. I don't currently have any ideas or alternatives, but we're gonna we're gonna keep thinking about that, I guess. I mean, I still love Puyol 2.0. You know, that's my yeah. It's like you know, he's been sent from the future to save us from terrible attacks or something. You know, fill in the Terminator tagline into that or something. Yeah. Okay. I think we're <laughs> on to something. Yeah. I think for now we should just stick with Puyol 2.0. Okay. Now, Carlos's other question was, um, it, this is one of those fantasy scenarios, what player would you like to see at Barcelona right now? And he throws in that he would love to see Christian Eriksen. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that would be a good choice. But, you know, I think everyone is really on the Tottenham bandwagon, especially after their performance against Real Madrid in the Champions League last week. So I think, you know, everyone is, you know, Everyone loves Harry Kane, Christian Eriksen, all these players. I mean, they're really good and young, but I I don't know. I don't really see a good track record for English players coming to Spain and succeeding. You know, the only one so far at a superstar level has been Gareth Bale, but even he hasn't uh, fully performed. You know, he's always injured. That's the thing. So for me, I'd rather see someone like uh, Dybala or someone of that caliber that has a little bit Latin flair um, that will be able to speak the language and feel comfortable being in La Liga. Um, what about you? I mean, obviously, this is, we always talk about this fantasy scenario. So who would be your fantasy scenario? Um, I don't know. I've been thinking about this, and I just – I my my whole thing is I just want to see, you know, players come up from La Masia and the B team and that sort of thing. So – like who would I like to see on the first team right now? I think I just want to see Elena get get more playing time. Not that he's like fully formed and he's going to make uh, like a, a major impact right now, but if there's anyone who I'd like to see playing on the first team more right now, it's it's Carles Elena. But again, that's for future purposes. Like I would love to see him like getting more playing time with the first team, um, if if possible. You know, like as, as long we want it, we want to get results first. But, you know, if it were possible and practicable, get him in there more. I would love to see him playing more with the first team. But that's just, I, you know, I, I don't really have my eye on, on, uh, on like, world football overall at the moment. It's, it's unfortunate because, you know, I have a, a very busy life right now <laughs> doing other things. But what about, uh, what about our, our American wonder boy, Pulisic? Yeah, I mean, definitely, right? Like, that would be our... Uh, American fantasy but you know the thing is this is just like you know when you play FIFA you can make your own team and you know everyone wants to make like their best 11 but from you know like we've been talking about Coutinho you know Paulinho all the players that we've been rumored and finally got this year and you know it's it's nice to wish and want these players but you know honestly like like you were talking before about the Barca B players I'd rather have those because they know the method they're more 
you know, experience in, into the Barca way. And so for me, I would prefer to see them get called up and then sprinkle a fantasy player here and there. But it's, you know, every, you know, every transfer uh, window, it's like, who we're going to get? And, you know, we don't really need to upgrade so much, you know, that's, that's the thing. We don't, we're not a desperate team right now. We're sitting high. We could add a couple pieces here and there, but also use the bench, you know, use the players that we have. Yeah. And I'll tell you who I don't want to see at Barcelona. Uh, and uh, follow me here. Um, Neymar. I do not want to see Neymar at Barcelona again. <laughs> Ever since he moved to PSG, I have to admit, I'm a little, I think I'm a little bit butthurt about the whole thing still. I, I have nothing against him. He made his, he made a choice to do whatever he wanted to do. I wish him well. He's a great player, obviously. He's, you know, top player in the world. Um, but I, I just, I actually think that Barcelona is doing better now without him playing more as a team overall, and Valverde is leading the team really nicely. So I definitely would not want to see Neymar come back. That's I could say that. So I have, a, I have a quick question for you. So do you think now that Neymar is not on Barca, do you find him more annoying on social media, for example? I think he's always been annoying on social media. Uh, I, I mean, I can I can divorce the team he plays for from his social media presence. I And, like, you know, I'm not really that much of a social media guy um so i think i'm already a little bit predisposed to find a whole lot of social media action to be a little bit annoying but i mean you know he's a he's he's an athlete you know and he definitely has that swagger and he's a top athlete and he has that kind of like top athlete swagger and um self-aggrandizing kind of thing going on so like that's the kind of thing that for me growing up was very uh, difficult to understand and to be around because I was always kind of the weirdo nerdy dumpy kid um, there were definitely years in school when I had zero friends and that kind of thing so like I just don't relate to that kind of personality that's um, that's another thing that I love so much about Messi is that he's just kind of like in his own world and he's just all about like playing ball and he's not at all like that and so that's another reason that i find Messi to be a sympathetic personality but yeah the, the social media aspect of neymar as has always been a little bit irritating to me i guess i'm a little bit more irritated now that he's not playing for barcelona okay yeah so i got there you got me there <laughs> i just had to talk that one out I guess it is a little bit more annoying. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying that because you know how, like, you know, when you have a player on your team who's maybe a little bit dirty, you appreciate it because he's on your team. But then when he's on another team, you hate him. And I kind of feel, and I don't hate Neymar by any means, but I just feel like lately when I see his posts on Instagram or whatever, I just go, oh, my God. Like, I just pass on through, you know? And it just kind of just seems more annoying now. And especially, like, you don't really see him playing as much right so i just hear stuff from you know online maybe some highlights but since psg is you know obviously the french league is not a marquee league all i see is neymar social media rather than neymar playing football which is kind of sad yeah it's much better to watch him play football than to follow him on social media but you know we'll probably see him in action as the champions league rounds uh you know narrow narrow down but in any case uh Thank you, Carlos, for those questions. I think that spurred on an interesting conversation. Keep them coming. Uh, keep listening. We appreciate Carlos for uh, all of his support. Um, our next item came from Zach in Cincinnati. This came through Facebook also. Uh, hey, guys. Great work on the podcast. Just wondering, do you think Valverde is doing so much rotation right now just to see what he has in the team? 
He's playing all these players like Gomez, Vidal, and Paco to gauge where he needs to improve the team and who he can drop in a transfer window, question mark. He knows who the starting lineup should be, but is just testing out players to see where he wants to improve the team, maybe. Uh, Just a thought on the heavy rotation each game. Also, to maybe build up their value for a transfer. That's an interesting uh, take on it. So thanks, Zach, for that question. There's actually a lot lot going on in there. What's your initial response there, Gabriel? Well, first of all, thanks for the question, Zach. Um, I've been to Cincinnati one time, and uh, I was the first Mexican in Cincinnati. I don't know if I told you that, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I went to Cincinnati for a wedding, had a lot of great times there. So anyway, uh, great question by Zach, because I really like the last part of it about the um, to build up their value for transfer. And I was thinking about this. This could be a possible motive of why Andres Gomez has been playing so much so that can actually show that, oh, look, we value him and to boost up his transfer value. I could see that. But also, especially now that we have so many injuries from this past week, you can see that playing the heavy rotation now, we can just plug players in and they already know where to play. So that's another thing of playing the heavy rotation now, you know, especially with the injuries piling up, we can just plug and play the players that we've uh, played before and we're not so scared that we're going to lose points. So I think it's a mixture of both, but I definitely like the last part of the question about building up the value for their transfer because you know, especially with uh, Gomez, you know, we're hoping that he can be transferred out because I've heard that other teams are interested. I don't know why, but, you know, the other teams are interested and I hope they can pluck him from Barcelona. So definitely a good, good uh, point of view question there from Zach in Cincinnati. Yeah. And just to follow up, I think that the, the yeah, the final point is really the one because I, you know, if you keep playing the same 11 players every week, you know, one, they'll get a little bit tired over the long term because Barcelona has a very demanding schedule but also they'll get to know each other very well those 11 guys and maybe you know you have a couple of uh, standard standard substitutes who will come in and maybe you know they'll be used to each other but yeah he in one sense he might just be trying to prepare for situations like where we're in right now where we have so many injuries that yeah people are prepared to play with each other they're not um you know, they they already have a little bit of chemistry and that kind of thing. But yeah, the other thing about just developing value for players for, for future <laughs> future unloading, um, that that's actually very insightful. I wouldn't I would never have thought of that. So thanks, Zach, for that. That was really um insightful. We appreciate that. Speaking of the news, there wasn't a whole lot of news going on this week uh with the club. Uh there was plenty that happened with the teams, but uh aside from that, not a whole lot going on. But uh, we should, I think, check in on on all the all the injuries. My note here on our on our show rundown was hella injuries because, you know, you're from NorCal. I spent time in NorCal. I understand hella. I speak hella. And, and there and there are hella injuries. There are so hell it of injuries. Perfe- <laughs> and it works perfectly for this for this note. Yeah. Now, I mean, of course, don't forget Rafinha is on a long running injury. You know, he had a second surgery not too long ago on his knee. We have no idea when he's going to be back. Um, Dembele's injury has has hit pretty hard, um, but at the same time, he is in recovery. He's he's been training in the sand. He hasn't had his boots on or had a ball at his feet, but he's been in the sand uh, doing work. So apparently, Dembele's injury uh, and his uh, recovery is is going well. It's on schedule. He's probably not going to be back until January. Um, I think there has been some rumors uh, and hopes that he might be back in action for the Classico in late in December, just before Christmas. But um, I don't think that's going to happen. Even if he is ready to play, 
by the time that match comes, I don't think it would be good to play him in a such a big match, you know, just coming off of such a long period of injury and recovery. I think that would be just way too much pressure to put on him. So just put it off until January. But in any case, his recovery is coming along as far as we know, and uh, he'll be back in action when he is ready. Um, and now, after last week, uh, Sergi is out until December 6th or so with a hamstring, and Vidal sprained his ankle. I guess he did that in training because he hasn't been playing. And um, not sure when he's going to be available again. And even Vanilla Sky, that's Andre Gomez, for those of you who are new to the show. Uh, we, we call Andre Gomez Vanilla Sky because he's boring and uh, sends the ball into the sky a lot. Uh, anyway, Vanilla Sky is injured also, and he's going to be out until late November. And then uh, Iniesta was out for a bit, but he was just cleared before the Sevilla match uh, from a hamstring injury. So just, yeah, so many injuries. And yet, I feel like the squad that started against Sevilla was perfectly fine. Like, we've seen all of these guys in action. There were no surprises. They played well together. Yeah, I mean... I would say the only one that really hurts here on this list, obviously Dembele, right? I mean, he's been injured this whole time, but for me, it's uh, Sergio Roberto. So, um, you know, because he, he's so dynamic and he gives us so much flexibility for many games, you know? Uh, so, Brian, did you send him some flowers to help him recover? Yeah, I, I sent him, I sent him uh, like a stuffed teddy bear. I sent him flowers. I send him, I send him things every day, you know? He and I are are uh, very very tight you know <laughs> i'm <laughs> yeah i'm sergio well, roberto's stalker <laughs> yeah well you know hopefully he recovers quick you know and we have him back on the team but again this is you know as we talked before this is such a long season you know it's funny how just the season just uh, peaks and valleys peaks and valleys you know from the beginning of the classico where we got where we got uh, walloped uh was severe crisis to not losing any points to looking good and now injuries. So it's just, you know, peaks and valleys and just managing that. You know, it's if more players get more muscle injuries, then I would be a little bit more concerned maybe with the medical training staff. But this is just a mixture of different types of injuries. This could happen anytime. I just love that Vidal got hurt in practice. That's got to be the worst, right? You're trying to, to improve. You're trying to practice, get on some playing time, and then you get injured in practice and you can't do anything. You know, Valverde is going to continue. I mean, that's why we, we talked earlier about the heavy rotation. He's able to plug and play these players, get the uh, performance that he wants, and we just keep trucking along through the games. Yeah, and the key thing to remember here for me is that as long as Busquets isn't injured, I think we could be okay. Because, uh, you know, you just take for granted how important he is in anchoring everything because he is the connection point, right? I mean, he can drop back and play in more of a, like a center back kind of position uh, when needed, but otherwise, you know, he's he's the anchor not just of the midfield but of everything. He's the channel that everything passes through, and he's so reliable and he's so elegant and simple in, in what he does that as long as he's not injured, I think we'll be okay. You know, you can plug Pauly in, you can plug Rakitic into the midfield, you can give Denny Suarez some time. You can try all kinds of things. You know, you have Paco and Suarez. That's how we saw the lineup happen against Sevilla. You know, you could have Mascherano in the center. You could have Dina out on left, whatever. Uh, as long as Busquets is there and he's healthy and not injured, we're going to be at least pretty okay. And as long as Ter Stegen's in goal, then we'll most likely probably have a clean sheet. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, Busquets the chain from the defense to the attack, right? That's his his role. And like we talked about last week, we talked about how our strength up the middle is, you know, top three in the world right now with Ter Stegen, Umtiti, PK, and then Busquets just rolling that out up the middle, the strength, the defense, the ability to, to distribute. So I totally agree with you, Brian, that Busquets is, you know, he's always undervalued uh, outside of Barcelona. You know, many people think he's soft and he's overrated, but he's not. He's super, I mean, his role of what he does, there's no other player that does what he does. I mean, it's, he's like you said, he's elegant. He makes the pass. Um, you know, sometimes maybe he does dive a little bit, but, you know, I'll take the diving for everything else he does. So as long as he stays healthy, we'll be, we'll be okay. Yeah. Now, moving on, uh, let's talk about the B squad and the women's team. Um, first off, Barca B, uh, they had a scoreless draw in Tarragona against uh, Gymnastique over this last week. And I was looking at the highlights, and uh, Barca didn't have any luck in front of goal. But Ortola made a number of saves, a lot of saves, uh, beautiful saves, too, where he's you know flying through the air. He was looking kind of Ter Stegen-esque. Um, and uh, Palencia, he, he made a great tackle to keep the sheet clean. Uh, it was a really interesting play, actually. Uh, Barrero, uh, playing for Gymnastique, he was in on goal. He actually was totally in, but Palencia uh, came back. He ran back, came in from behind with a very like Mascherano-esque tackle in the box, but totally clean, dispossessed him, and put that fire out. So I thought that was a really good play from Palencia. Did you watch the highlights, Gabriel? Um, I didn't see the Barca B highlights, but I saw the feminine uh, highlights. Okay, so in the Barca B highlights, uh, there was one especially good cross from Arnais. Um, but Mark Cardona, he was on the receiving end. He couldn't put it away, but it was just this beautiful cross from Arnais, you know, where he was, he's out on the left. He's such a winger, you know, but he sort of just pulled up kind of at the top of the box and put a great cross in early cross uh, rather than like taking it down to the line. It was beautiful, but Cardona just couldn't put it away. That was a good moment that just didn't convert. Um, they're playing today. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning, uh, but they're playing today against Cultural, but we're recording before the match. So we'll pick up on that uh, next week. And next Saturday, they're going to be playing Huesca in uh, the second division, but they keep managing to pull out draws and stay, you know, 11th, 12th, I think they're in 12th place right now in the second division, right where we want them to be, just as long as they can stay in that division and, uh, you know, give those players the experience of playing with some, you know, near first-tier teams, uh, then then we're happy. Yeah, definitely. Great recap, Brian, on all of that stuff. So I, I will check it out after the podcast, but I didn't get time to see it before. But, uh, you know, like we said, we just want them to continue to pull out these points and stay in the second division, just further develop the team. And hopefully we'll have Alenia and Arnais next next season and ready to play for the senior team. And moving on to the women's team, um, I have notes. I, I watched the highlights, but so did you. So what did, what were your thoughts on the highlights from the women's team this last week? Yeah, I mean, the they just I just checked the highlights before and they won 3 nothing over Huelva. I don't know if you remember Huelva in uh Francesc's interview uh it's down south from Andalusia so when I saw that they were playing Huelva I said oh gosh poor Huelva because I don't think they have the the resources like FC Barcelona and sure enough FC Barcelona rolled out their almost kind of their second tier team with uh, Martins and Dugan not not starting um but you know FCB Femenina pulled out the win with three nothing two goals came from the corner kicks um one was kind of a, a through ball that was a nice play for the second goal, but the two corner kicks were really nice. Um, I really liked the the second corner kick. Was um, uh, it was a short 
uh, not a short corner, but the the near post and um, the forward flicked it above the goalkeeper, which I always love that type of goal where, you know, you draw that up, you know, uh, across near post and you just flick it over the goalkeeper and it's an easy put away for the goal. But again, um, FCB Feminina are still atop of the table. They're tied with Atletico Madrid, especially after last weekend's tie. And they're up at the top with 22 points. So they continue to roll and hopefully... Uh, as we have here in our notes here, they have Champions League coming up this week. So we'll see if they keep that momentum rolling. Yeah, the uh, the, the Women's Champions League coming up. They have the first leg of their round of 16 match uh, with Lithuanian club Zintra Universitetas. And I'm wondering if that's a particularly strong side or not. Is this going to be um, a hard win, a tough win, a loss? I don't know. They are going to Lithuania for it, so they'll, they'll be on the road. And you never know what the pitch might be like at uh, at an at an opposing team's stadium, but uh, I, it was interesting to watch the Welvo highlights because Martins and Duke Duggan were not playing, and uh, I mean the goals from from Patri Guijarro were great off of those corner kicks, and uh, Natasa Antonova's goal, as you detailed, was was also very nice. But it was also a real scrappy match. You know, it wasn't exactly that kind of flowing uh, Barcelona style that that even the women do do play when they have the right lineup on there. But yeah, this was more of a more of a scrapper. And I'm wondering what the uh, what the match in the uh, women's Champions League is going to be like with this uh, Lithuanian club. But then also um, next week in in the uh, La Liga, they're going to be playing uh, mid table Madrid CFF on the 12th. So we'll wait to see what that match is like also. Yeah, definitely a good point about the Lithuanian team. But I think they should be able to pull both wins out, especially with their starting or their strongest 11. So, yeah, they do definitely play a little tiki-taka there. And they definitely have um, that type of uh, passing ability. Um, it's really a fun – you know, I was I was kind of commenting to myself about the video highlights. It's kind of funny because it's a mixture of a good quality video with mom and dad in the background cheering. You know, and um, hopefully, you know, obviously I didn't hear anybody screaming to hustle. So that was kind of a nice change. But it's just funny, like on the the chances that um, the women make, you just hear them. You can really hear like the five people or the, you know, the people in the stands go, oh, you know, they just kind of goo and gasp at everything. So it's it's, you know, uh, but the women just keep rolling, man. They just keep rolling and they're on top of the of the table and we'll see what happens this week after a busy week of uh champions league and la liga for them yeah and there is something really nice about that kind of down home feel of of watching the women's and the b team's highlights at least when the b team plays in barcelona like uh their last match when they were on the road i think it was um yeah against gymnastique they had a uh, it was a much bigger stadium and their crowd was really out it felt more like a like a first division kind of match because their their crowd was more on it but yeah whenever they're playing in barcelona there's like you know 20 30 well there's more than that but it just sounds very much like you know your local uh recreation you know like youth league you could hear like just those few people screaming what would be the if they were calling out for hustle in spain what would they what would they yell apura like hurry up ah apura (laughs) apura you know or you know, I think hustle is pretty much in any language. You know, you just say hustle in English and they kind of get it. Yeah, so. they know what you're getting at. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. But yeah, and also you could tell that the cameras with like the women's team and the B squad, the cameras aren't, I don't think, I don't think the mini study is set up to have like broadcast camera uh, 
angles. I don't think they have dedicated platforms. It really does seem like, you know, some kid is just there with the camera in the stands and they're like right there with the fans. And yeah, it's it's like your dad just came with the camera <laughs> to show up. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like your dad came with a 4K camera and it like put the microphone with your mom. So I know there's more people watching the game, but you only hear like the couple people. So it just sounds like almost like very intimate. But it's it's really cool to see. Yeah. So Barca B women's team keep on keeping on. Um, now let's move into our conversation about the the first team and let's uh, check in on the uh, La Liga recap for this weekend as best as we know. Um, first off. Since we recorded before the Real Madrid-Girona match last week, could we just take a moment to enjoy the fact that Girona pulled out a 2-1 to one win over Real? We can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we certainly can. I didn't watch the game. I didn't see the highlights. I was actually, um, this is, I was still in Boston last week, and I got a message on Instagram from one of our listeners. It was just the news story about the upset. And I was like on my way to go do something. We were in the car. And all I could say was, this is incredible news. Thank you for telling me this. Yeah, I mean, my my friend was uh, WhatsApping me. And he's like, hey, are you watching the game? And I was like, no. He's like, Hirona's winning. I was like, what? So I automatically put it on because I was here um, just doing some work. Uh, but the best part was the hashtag that uh, FC um, Barcelona supporters were doing. We were saying, gracias, Hirona, right? So, uh, you know, thank you, Hirona, for pulling out that win because, you know, with this past week of the Hirona loss and the Tottenham loss, you know, here in Madrid especially, the people are just freaking out about what is going on in real Madrid, and I love it so much. Yeah, what's the what's the air like in Madrid? You know, they have no answers, right? Because, you know, part of it could be just complacency, but, you know, playing so many games, you know, these games don't really mean anything because, you know, they've won three Champions Leagues in the last four years. So for them, it's kind of like, yeah. We'll just we'll just focus on Champions League, but everyone is kind of questioning Zidane's tactics, um, his substitution. All my students are freaking out. You know, they're like, "Oh my gosh, Real Madrid!" They're all sad. So you know, it's definitely having a little bit of a, I don't know, um, a sad cloud over here. You know, Madrid definitely. Well, that's exactly what we had last year, especially towards the tail end of last season when. You know, that like, well, we're just losing to Malaga and what's going on and what the hell is happening with the tactics and is is Luis Enrique even managing? And, you know, and then we didn't get anything except for the Copa del Rey. So like that last year was tough for us and, and now it's their turn and we're having a great year so far. Exactly, which is great, right? And, you know, I, I was watching the Tottenham Real Madrid game on Wednesday night and I couldn't have been more happy. I was the biggest Tottenham Hotspurs fan that night, you know, and of course they, they were able to pull out the victory. But, you know, they have so many questions and we'll see what happens. Again, like we always say, it's a long season. This is just peaks and valleys, you know, peaks and valleys. Yeah. Now, in, also in La Liga this this past weekend, just uh, on Saturday, Valencia, they're looking a lot better this year uh, than last year. They, they've gotten everything kind of worked out. They have a real manager in place, uh, but they beat Leganes 3-0, held on to the number two spot in La Liga. They're just four points behind Barcelona. So actually, they're the team that we have to be on the lookout for more than Real. I mean, we know that Real is going to you know, pull out some wins. They, we know they're going to pick up points. And of course, we're just waiting for the time when we finally get a loss and we start dropping points. But, you know, we're a lot of games. We're getting to be a lot of games into the season now. And Barcelona still has not lost one. Uh, we've had one draw 
and the rest have all been wins. And Real Madrid has just been having a really hard time. But anyway, Valencia is the team that's actually trailing most closely, uh, only four points behind. Uh, that was good. And um, Atletico pulled out a late win over Deportivo on Saturday. So they're currently in third, eight points behind Barcelona. And Real Madrid have yet to play today, for, you know, from when we're recording. But if they beat Las Palmas, uh, that would put them level with Atletico on points and probably put them at third place, shifting Atletico down to fourth um, just on goal difference. Because if they win today, they're going to probably have a better goal difference than Atletico. But after that loss to Girona last week, is there any way they're not going to beat Las Palmas today? I mean, really? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel sorry for Las Palmas because I can see like a 6 nothing type of uh, match today. But again, like... You know, more importantly for me, it's Valencia, right? Because Valencia has been playing really strong. They're a strong team. But we'll see how they do for the rest of the season because Marcelino, the manager, usually is pretty intense, has them. Um, I've heard different things like where he has them on a strict body fat percentage. So each player has to be between like 8 and 9% body fat or something like that. So he's really strict physically, to, physically demanding of them. So we'll see how they end up in the spring. But so far, they're looking really good. And when Valencia is good, La Liga is that much stronger, you know, and so that helps too because it's not just a two-horse race. We need to find out when they play Valencia because that's going to be a big, big match. Yeah, well, I just looked it up. It's uh, November 26th. They're going to be playing in La Liga, uh, so that's the first first round meeting, and so that's coming down the pipe. Um, that's going to be their first match after the Champions League uh, match against Juventus, so that could actually be a tough run on their schedule um, as far as the lineup and the fitness of everyone I mean we've talked about how we can sustain the injuries because Valverde has been doing so much squad rotation that everyone is pretty comfortable playing with each other he can plug and play people Um, but yeah that does seem like it's probably going to be kind of a tough week because they've got Juventus on November 22nd in the Champions League and then on the 26th they have Valencia Um, I don't have it in front of me right now whether that's going to be home or away but Either way, that's that's going to be a, an important match. But moving forward to looking backward, let's talk about the uh, Champions League match against Olympiakos that happened midweek. This was in Athens at the Georgios Karaiskaskis Stadium. I did a little bit better. I still don't think I pronounced it right. I, it's just so many S's and K's all in a row. I, 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 it makes me feel like I'm dyslexic, but I'm not. Anyway, the result was a scoreless draw. So kick it off, Gabriel. What are your thoughts on this match? I mean, do we have to talk about this game? This game was we don't have to one of the worst. It. I mean, this game was so boring. And I watched it the next day. I downloaded it and watched it. And I was like, I almost fell asleep. That's how boring it was. Yeah, I only caught the second half. And it was so... Um, I mean, I was sort of staying up to date on what was going on with it in the first half. But I wasn't watching and then I watched the second half, and yeah, it was um, it was just a real dog of a game, you know. And I would say that like the lineup was basically good, but Olympiakos was sitting back a lot. They were really taking the highly defensive posture, and it's hard for any team to open that up, no matter how good you are. Um, but then again, you know, we can we have players who can give really standout performances, and they can really make an impact and try and open those things up. But I, I think they were just taking a more relaxed approach to the game, um, probably because, like I, I mentioned this last week, it didn't really require any heroics from anyone. So the scoreless draw is like it's an acceptable result, even 
even if watching the game, you know, put me to sleep, which the sec- just watching the second half put me to sleep. You know, and of course, the real down downside of that match was that uh, Sergi took that injury uh, to his hamstring. That was the worst part. Exactly. Like we always say, right, we want to get the points, um, get out with no injuries and maybe have a good performance. And unfortunately, we did not hit any of those benchmarks. It was a terrible looking game. Sergi got injured. And, you know, we didn't even score a goal. So it was just one of those games where it's kind of like, um, you know, like in baseball, they always say the dog days of summer. It was almost kind of had that feeling where it's like they had to go to Greece. They had to play this match. There was really nothing on the line. They just kind of, you know, if they lost, they won, they tied. It didn't really matter. There was no intensity to it. Uh, even though the crowd at that stadium was super into it. I don't know if you saw the images and the, the chants and stuff, but it was like their uh, title match. And for Barcelona, it was like, oh, we're just coming here and we're showing up and let's get out of here as quickly as possible. Yeah, that crowd was actually very excited. I mean, so that's fun. It was like, a, it seemed like it was a fun atmosphere. But yeah, if you actually looked at what was happening on the pitch, it was it was a total dog. Um, now, the the next Champions League match is going to be um, on November 22nd with Juventus, and that's going to be probably a, the bigger match, right? Because Juventus are trailing Barcelona in the group by only three points at the moment. So if we want to get out on top of the group, which is what we always want, um, a win there would, would be the way to go. So, yeah, playing against Olympiacos, it's fine to get a draw. You know, you can sort of almost take a day off on the pitch. It's like a working holiday. But this one, they're going to have to actually clock in and, and do the work. Yeah, and especially from last year where Juventus just took us back behind the woodshed and just worked us. So we'll see how Barcelona responds this year, especially with an actual manager who actually puts in a defensive lineup and could manage the team a little bit better. So I'm I'm confident that we'll be able to get points and have a good showing in Juventus. Yeah, and of course, when that match is closer, we'll do a, a little bit more of a preview on it. But that is going to be... Um, an away game we're playing on Juventus's uh, home field so that's going to complicate things but again we're gonna we're gonna get more into that as as the match comes along Um, did you have any I had zero man of the match for this Olympiacos game because like how can you even pick someone to be man of the match uh, what does my note say there? It says man of the match other than Messi, the airplane. So the airplane did the best you know, work to get them there safely and to get them back to Barcelona. I mean, other than that, no one had a really standout performance, you know, and yeah. So for me, as before in other podcasts, I nominated the FC Barcelona app as the man of the match. This time I'm going to nominate the airplane just because it was such a stinker of a game. Yeah. And yeah, the airplane did the most <laughs> to get the result. <laughs> And exactly. yeah, and like, it had to do the it, it had to do the most work, right? More than the team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, but let's talk about an actual interesting game. Uh, that was the Saturday match against Sevilla in La Liga. The uh, result was two to one for Barcelona, and so that's an, another good result. A couple of interesting notes about this: this was Messi's six hundredth match, um, and I think that's across all competitions for Barcelona. Um, it was a wet match, lots of rain, very slick surface, and uh, our two goals both came from Paco Alcacer, and that actually led to a question that I actually had, but one of our listeners also had it, so I'm going to hand it over to Schnarfen, who got in touch with us on Instagram. Um, this is basically the same thought that I was having, but I'm going to let him uh, say it. He says, is Paco good enough to replace Suarez temporarily, uh, the latter being very much out of form lately? Or would benching Suarez hinder his return to top-level playing? 
Uh, he says, I managed to watch the last 30 minutes of the game, and what I saw from Suarez was very disappointing. And we were chatting a little bit during the match. You had some thoughts about Suarez yourself. Well, let me go back first to Messi's 600 match. That's just an amazing stat. I tweeted out, wow, Messi's 600 match, that's 600 more than me. I mean, that's just, that's some number <laughs> that, you know, that's like, that's like unheardly numbers, you know, like almost like, um, you know, in baseball with the Yankees, like, um, what's his name? Joe DiMaggio hitting streak. These are things that are like untouchable. I mean, 600 match. It's ridiculous. The second thing uh, with the wet surface, um, I commented to as well, just how good Barcelona are with their passing and their touch, even on a slick surface like that, they made it look so easy at times which is super impressive because if anyone's ever played in rain, that ball just slides. It's super fast. It's really unpredictable with your first touch. And Barcelona just always makes it look super easy, especially against these other professional teams. So let's get into Schnarfen's question. Um, you know, we were talking about this. I was talking with you over, during the match about this. And I definitely think Paco should get some more playing time, especially after what I saw last night. You know, last night was definitely one of those things with the eye test, right? He just looked fresher, hungrier, faster. You know, he just looked like his, you know, like it mattered to him, even though it was just like a little league game. Whereas Luis Suarez, you know, he just lately hasn't been performing well. I've seen people on social media that are worried about him. I'm not worried about him, but I'm just, I think he just needs to rest. I, you can obviously see that the injury is nagging him, that he's had earlier, the earlier knock. Just give him some time. Like we use Paco, especially after last night's performance where he was all over the place and he just looked like a person that was t trying to take the best um, opportunity, you know, of the moment. You know, I heard a stat, he's played in nine games and he has eight goals. That's really good ratio. Yeah, that's great know? ratio. Yeah, exactly. So he, he plays a game, he scores a goal. And, you know, especially like, you know, the, fir the first goal was a poacher's goal, right? Like he stole the ball from a really bad back pass, but he was in the right position. And he pounced on that. And, and he kind of, I saw, you could kind of see in the replay that he was going to pass it, but then he decided not to. And he hit, um, he hit, he slid the ball underneath the goalkeeper, really nice opening goal. And the second one, I mean, from top to bottom, was just a really nice goal with Rakitic's pass and Alcazar's ability to get his touch in before the defender. So um, overall, you know, I definitely think Paco should play. But, you know, we have the international uh, break coming up, so hopefully that'll give Suarez some needed rest. He's not going to be playing with the Uruguayan team, so we'll see what happens after he comes back. But again, Valverde had a short lease this game. I didn't like that he pulled Paco. I think he should have pulled Suarez. I thought Paco was having an unbelievable game and just ride him, just ride him. Yeah, I, I found that to be such a strange decision uh, to pull Paco. And it was he pulled him right after his second goal and uh, put deuces in for him. But, like, he's he's hot, you know? He's He scored two goals. Like, give him some more time. He I feel like he's earned it, you know? I mean, that was a sentiment all over social media, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, um, maybe, maybe Valverde, Valgreen had, you know, the plan before the match that he was going to play 70 minutes or 65 minutes. And it just happened that when Paco scored his second goal, it was the 65th minute. He already had that plan. But, I mean, just adjust. I mean, you can obviously see that Suarez was pressing. And I thought Paco would be a better, you know, a better decision to leave him out there, especially pressing high and switching to the 4-3-3 on defense. I mean, that's just my opinion. So, obviously, we always talk about these rotation decisions. But I think... You know, for the most part, Val Green got it correct. It's just, you know, when he took out Paco, everyone was livid on social media, which is always hilarious to see the the lynch mob come for the manager. Yeah, but like you said, I think last week or the week before, if 
we're going to argue about lineups and like substitutions and that's the worst problem that we have, then we're doing really well. And, you know, the results speak for themselves. We're at the top of the league, haven't lost a game yet. Valverde is doing just about everything right. We might we might take issue with uh, a decision here and there, but he's getting the results. Exactly. Well said, you know. And the other thing, too, for me, the other note that I have here is Semedo. I mean, I just love Semedo playing right back because he just gives us so much stability there you know and his speed no one can beat him off pace and that is something we haven't had you know I can't remember the last person or the last right back we had with that much pace Um, there was a couple plays where Semedo was able to read it and they beat him with the first move but he was able to recover so quick that the attacker like kind of looked up and Semedo was like right back there almost like the flash you know maybe that's what should be his nickname because he is super fast yeah super fast yeah there was one play uh i have it marked here i took notes of the match and it was like it was in the about the 40th minute or so so like just towards the end of the first half i can't remember if he had been uh beaten on this play but uh somehow you know sevilla got forward on him and man he just turned on the afterburners and ran back and and put out the fire and got the ball back and it was just it was an, an incredible moment where you're like, there's no way, like, they're in on goal. They've got the shot, but Semedo got there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a nice luxury. As they say in sports, you can't teach speed. So Semedo's definitely got that speed for us. And him with Alba, I mean, those are two of the fastest, you know, backs you'll find in world football. And it's a really nice luxury to have. And when they're playing, um, Semedo on the right back as well, not only is he fast, but he's also physical. And it just makes everyone better. I mean, you see how much better Rakitic plays when Semedo's back there because you know he doesn't have to worry about defensive, as many defensive responsibilities. And Rakitic had a really nice game last night. And again, you know, these are the type of games that we should be able to win, especially at home. And we were able to pull it out. Yeah, and that is one, you know, sort of unfortunate or blessing in disguise, I guess, about Sergio Roberto's injury. Because with Sergio Roberto injured, then and also with Vidal injured then who who else can you possibly put it right back right it has to be Semedo and from the beginning of the season since we first started seeing Semedo play we've been very impressed and I think every week we've both kind of been hoping that Semedo would get more starts but Sergio Roberto has gotten more starts than Semedo and um, now of course there are a lot of benefits to that because he's uh you know such a dynamic player and on all areas of the pitch and I do think he's gotten a lot better on his defensive work lately um you know but he he doesn't exactly have the speed that Semedo has he doesn't quite have the physicality he has other things but with Sergio Roberto injured and of course also with Vidal injured then now this is Semedo's moment to really shine and really show what he's got. And I think he's really delivering on that. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, that maybe it is a little bit of a blessing in disguise, um, you know, especially now that Tomato may get some more playing time and that'll help with more uh, experience for Tomato being in the system and just getting more of Val Green's um, confidence to play him even more in bigger games. Yeah, so great honorable mention for Tomato on that match, a good performance. And uh, we know that we're going to be seeing more of him in the next few weeks as uh, injuries sort of sideline Sergey and uh, Vidal. So we're going to keep seeing better performances from him. So getting back to Paco, though, he was your man of the match other than Messi, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, not only was it the goals, but it was the way, I mean, you know, at the beginning he was playing side, you know, together with Suarez, and you can just see there was a huge difference between the two of them. You know, Paco just looked hungrier, faster. Um, he was pressing a little bit better. 
And again, Suarez struggled so much last night. He was always making the bad pass or the pass didn't have enough weight on it. And whereas Paco was just doing his job, right? He just made, it's like he gave the ball to Messi every time. I mean, that's what I would do if I were just playing, you know, just be like, where's Messi? Passing to him, you know? And um, a couple of times, uh, Messi found Paco and Paco wasn't able to connect, but at least there was those opportunities, right? And he always looked dangerous in front of goal. And again, the second goal was just a typical Paco goal. He used to score these type of goals all the time uh, for Valencia. And if you see the replay, he points to Rakitic where to put the ball. And so those are the type of things where, you know, we should give Paco some more playing time. I hope Val Green uses this video that he sees and says, wow, okay, wow, I need to give Suarez maybe some more time, maybe a game off just to kind of give him his, uh, you know, a mental vacation, you know, from maybe he's getting, you know, he hasn't scored that much and maybe he's getting a little wound up about not scoring. So again, Paco was my man of the match other than Messi. Brian, who was yours? Well, before I get into that, first, I want to say that that cross from Rakitic for the second goal from Paco was so spot on and I mean, like the 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 fact that Paco can point to where he wants it and Rakitic can put it there, just reminds us why Rakitic like gets all the starts, why he's really in the core eleven. His accuracy is just really good, and of all the players we've seen recently, I think he's such a great player to have on the team, uh, mostly for that reason. And kind of like you've pointed out, when Tomato's playing and Rakitic doesn't have to worry about tracking back for defensive purposes, and he can be a little bit more focused on how he's going to operate in the attack. He feels more comfortable, and when he's feeling more you know, comfortable and confident with what he's doing, he can really deliver those kinds of passes. Exactly. Just on the cross, um, on Rakitic's cross, you know, he crossed it early, and he crossed it in front, and he curved enough, and it hit the, the near post where, Alcas, where Paco was going to be. So just overall, just a really great cross by Rakitic to see that before... Um, you know, before that developed was just, you know, that's why they're professionals. Yeah, and but he's, you know, definitely in the top top tier um, so we're glad to have him but even going further back for me uh, let's go back to Schnarfen's comment and what my initial question was because uh, he's talking about you know Paco versus Suarez and what I'm wondering about is uh, in this game we saw Paco and Suarez both starting and let's assume that uh, so this is kind of a, I guess a hypothetical but let's assume that Suarez is actually more or less in form he's uh fully healthy you know we have our own suspicions that maybe Suarez is still dealing with a with an injury and he's coming back from that maybe a little bit slowly it's still nagging him maybe something like that but let's assume that Suarez is uh playing at least pretty well he's pretty close to full form you know what we're used to seeing from him what would you think about the idea of of starting both of them more often like if they're both playing in good form, what, how would that change the complexion of the attack? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a fan of it because I think it alleviates a little bit of the pressure for Luis Suarez. He has a partnership. And also the way they were playing last night, Messi was able to distribute. They had the possession. They're able to use the wing back. I, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely for it because not only does it, um, you know, when you have the two forward pairing like that, puts a lot of pressure on the defense. You know, you have two people going up the middle attacking their center backs. And then with our wingers and Messi creating so much it just creates a lot of chaos so I I definitely would be a fan of that Um, but again you know we don't have to you know replace Suarez per se but also I just think Paco should get more time again it could be that Luis Suarez is just mentally fatigued and just needs 
just a day off. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. He plays so many games. He's played every game. I mean, he's rarely been injured long term for Barcelona. He's played every major, you know, almost every match. And he doesn't have maybe the stamina, the the mental strength or mental wherewithal like Messi. You know, Messi is an outlier. And so maybe it is good that Paco replaces him temporarily, maybe two games, just to give Suarez some more rest and get him 100% back. Yeah, and I the idea that I'm having here with like Paco and Suarez both playing is also that Paco is more comfortable. He is comfortable and productive when he's out on the left, right? Whereas Suarez is not. So if we had both of them, on the field and again this assumes that Suarez is playing you know more at his at his best or closer to his best which you know admittedly he hasn't been lately and that's fine Um, but if he's closer to his best and if you put Paco also on the field with him he's much more comfortable playing almost like a left winger and lately that's been kind of my tactical obsession with Barcelona is how we're so loaded to the right you know we have Delufeu we have uh, sometimes Sergio Roberto, we have these like right-sided players, and then you have Messi, who's also so often coming from right to left, that the left side of the attack is a little bit understaffed. You know, you've got Alba bombing forward, which is nice, but a lot of times, like if Iniesta's playing, he's sort of uh, working in a dual role. He's both left midfielder, and then he's also trying to get forward, and it's just not exactly working out. And when you have those situations where Suarez is coming out to the left to try and also do something in that part of the pitch, he's not being very productive. He's it's not where he's best suited. So if you have Paco out on the left and Suarez can still stay more central, that could be a a better overall kind of like width driven tactical situation. No, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, having Paco out there put a little bit more pressure and like we saw last night, when Suarez is out there but on an island trying to make plays, he can't do it. His his touch fails him. He doesn't make the right reads. So, I mean, like I said, I'm up for experimenting, especially since we have injuries. We can do that. Our team is still strong enough that we're not going to, especially defensively, we shouldn't be able to give up so many goals. So we can kind of experiment with a Paco-Luis Suarez tandem and have Messi behind them. I'd, I'd be interested to try that. Yeah, so I don't know. I'd be interested to see how that pl- plays out, yeah. But anyway, my man of the match, other than Messi, was Iniesta. He just came back from injury, but he was, honestly, he was on fire from the start. And frankly, there were too many incredible passes to count. Um, He was pulled uh, for Pauly, but I don't think it was for lack of contribution. I think Valgrin was actually just looking for maybe a different tactical approach with Pauly, because, you know, Pauly definitely offers something different from Iniesta. Or maybe he was just looking to rest Iniesta since he was just coming back from injury, you know, he's thinking about his, uh, you know, his future. I don't know. But my favorite play, I just have, I had to pick one favorite play that involved Iniesta. Um, this was early on. This was the in the fourth minute or so. It was on the short corner. And uh, first of all, Messi, our hero, earned the corner with a really great run and this improbable shot that Soria could only send out with a punch. He could barely even save it. and And yet it was still from this, highly like normally a pretty impossible angle but of course you know Messi is you know the inhuman outlier he earned the corner so then Rakitic took the corner played it short to Messi along the touchline um he eventually gives it back to Rakitic uh you know there's some pretty standard short corner action along the touchline Messi to Rakitic Rakitic to Iniesta then Rakitic moves inside and now here's the moment uh Iniesta passes to Messi who's you know ahead of him And then he just drifts back a few yards. 
Then Messi sends it back to him almost immediately. He held it for a couple of seconds, sends it back. And now just because he drifted back those couple of yards, he's got three defenders now are coming up to cover Iniesta. And that left the space behind them wide open for Messi, of all, of all people, to run into. And then Iniesta sends the perfect ball right over their heads to wide open Messi, Sevilla had to scramble back. Uh, they did in time to sort of shut things down. And Messi actually uh, put the ball into Busquets, who took the shot, but it wasn't... Uh, I don't think Busquets was ready to receive that. I don't think he was really ready to take that shot. But, you know, he put it on goal, uh, the, but there wasn't much on it. It was blocked and then cleared. But just that play from Iniesta and just that awareness to just the how he drifted back and when he got the ball again, that how that brought the defenders towards him more and opened up that space for Messi. Like, I mean, on one hand, I think there was some defensive unawareness on Sevilla's part, but I think there was also something really brilliant about that subtle couple of yards back that Iniesta drifted to try and draw those defenders out. I mean, it's Don Iniesta, right? I mean, that guy is the best, man. He's so elegant, and his chemistry with Messi is, you know, it's it's unmatchable like they've been playing together for so long practicing together they just they don't even have they barely look at each other they know where the other one's going to go so i that's a really good choice and yes they had a really great game and i think you know uh, val green pulled him just because he just came back from injury and you know it's a nice luxury to have paulinho Pauly come in and help solidify the midfield again like i said last week i can't believe how quickly I've changed on being a fan of Paulinho. Like now when he comes in, I, I don't, I'm not upset. I just go, okay, cool. It's it's almost like when we had Keita, where Keita would come in as like almost like a closer on the defensive midfield. It's someone that's solid and he comes in and definitely helps close out the game. But again, Iniesta had a really great performance last night, especially in the rain. You know, like I said earlier, anyone played in the rain, you know how the ball is unpredictable and they just... The way they master the touch and the pass is just elegance. And that's why we love Messi and Iniesta for sure. Yeah. And also, yeah, giving it back to Pauly, uh, kind of, I think the comparison with Keita is a good one. But also, Pauly does exactly the thing that you would do if you were playing for Barcelona, which is he passes to Messi. He gets the ball, he looks for Messi, and then he gives it to him. Like he, he knows his job, he's very happy to do that job. Exactly. I mean, that's what you mean. That's what you do, right? If you played basketball with Michael Jordan, you would like get the rebound. Like, where's Michael Jordan? Okay, he's over there. Pass it to him. And it's the same thing with Messi, right? You just kind of they would get the ball. He goes up the middle and he kind of looks left. Messi's not there. Looks right. Oh, there's Messi and just kind of gives him a pass and makes the through run. So, but every you know exact you know it was a big game last night, especially because Sevilla tied the game and it kind of was looking a little bit uncertain for a little bit, especially because Sevilla started playing a lot better in the second half. But again, with that second goal that kind of put it on ice, Sevilla kind of ran out of steam, and Barcelona were able to get the points. And again, our defense being really strong again last night, only giving the one goal. And that one goal was kind of fluky. It wasn't anything too crazy. It was just on a corner kick mishap. And But for the most part, very, very happy with Barcelona's defense and the trend of what they're playing. And again, we still remain unbeaten, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, we're we're. Uh, I think we're we're recording this, you know, in a in a, in such a way where we sound a little bit subdued. But I think we're both actually very excited about how this how the season is going. Well, Brian, it's because we're broadcast professionals. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, we just watch so many games now. We're we're so up on the news. Like I never realized 
how little time I spent paying attention to Barcelona before starting this podcast. You know, like your average fan or like me as an average fan, I would watch I would watch games like there was one one or two years in a row where I watched every single game religiously and I was watching all of La Liga and I was just watching a ton of matches. And then, you know, um, I forgot that I actually had a life to live and uh, I had other things going on. And then I, I almost had like a negotiation in my mind with with Barcelona, which is like, you, you understand, right? I can't watch every single game all the time. Like, you understand. I, I have to live my own life, right? Like, you have to live your life. I have to live my life. I'm sorry. I can't watch every single game. But, like, I'll I'll stay tuned on, like, what's going on. with. I'll check the scores. But I can't necessarily watch every single game. And now, now that we're doing this podcast, I watch every single game. Sometimes I don't watch every game twice. But, you know, I make notes. I go back. I look at the highlights. And, um, yeah, it does take some of the excitement out of it because you get so so into it then i have to put my fan hat on and remind myself like this is fantastic this is absolutely fantastic i mean we got this new manager who has made such a noticeable impact on the team we've got a couple of good signings we've got some young players coming up uh sergio roberto who i have been pulling for for the last few years i think has really arrived he is absolutely like a starter he is a keeper it i don't mean a goalkeeper but like like almost well you know i do have a crush on him so yeah like if i were to marry him he you know he's a real keeper <laughs> in that he's sense he's the keeper of your heart <laughs> exactly he keeps my heart intact when he's on the pitch but yeah just um this this team especially with that kind of difficult loss of neymar early on you know we were talking about this earlier in the show about when we first uh, encountered Real Madrid in the Super Cup, how that was just such a mess. You know, we were kind of dealing with having just lost Neymar. And everything has just come together. And uh, never mind whatever kind of troubles Real Madrid has been having, Barcelona has been doing great, and it's fantastic. So, yeah, I have to remind myself of that, so that I am actually just a fan. And that's the whole reason we do this show is because we're fans and we want to see exactly what we've been seeing. Great performances, uh, great results, uh, still still lossless in all competitions. And we're all, you know, we're like a quarter of the way through the year. So that's like, we couldn't ask for anything more. Exactly. I mean, we are excited. I'm just, you know, like we said, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. It's, I kind of break up the season in, into thirds. So this is the first third closing out before Christmas. Again, we're putting ourselves in a great position to have a great campaign. And obviously our hopes and dreams are for the treble. And so we'll see how it goes. We're looking really good. Like you said, Val Green is doing a great job so far. And we have not lost points, which is Really, really impressive, especially taking this type of team, especially of what happened last year with the team and just doing an excellent job. So we are very excited about the team. And unfortunately, we have no games coming up now, especially now we have another international break. And it's super baffling, right? I mean, we're getting into this mode of Champions League, Copa del Rey during the week, La Liga on the weekend. And now we have another international break just to kind of break our hearts of this momentum that we've been watching these matches. Yeah, and what's weird about this is these are all friendlies. These aren't even competitive matches. You know, we've got Argentina has two friendlies with Russia and Nigeria. Spain is going to be playing Russia also in a friendly with Costa Rica. 
And uh, I checked in on Uruguay's schedule also just because I was curious to see if, like, Suarez was going to get a break or if he was going to play. He's probably going to get a break. But Uruguay does also have friendlies with Poland and Austria. Like, do you have any interest in any of these friendlies? No, I don't. And I'll watch it if, like, I'm at a friend's house and the game happens to be on, but I'm not going to make any type of effort to watch it, especially their friendlies. They don't, you know, they don't really mean anything. So I guess this will be a good weekend to go, like, do some other things. Yeah, I think I'm mostly going to tune out on these. On the other hand, it makes me wonder, is Argentina going to take these friendlies sort of seriously because, you know, they just barely pulled out qualification for the World Cup. They clearly have a lot of work to do as a team if they want to you know, really compete at the uh, tournament next year. So are they going to take these friendlies seriously as an opportunity to, you know, get their shit together? Like, is Messi going to be on call? Is he going to be playing in these, you think? Yeah, I think he's going to play. But the good thing is I think they're playing here in Europe. So they don't have to travel across the world to go to South America. So that's the good thing. But again, like, I'm sure he'll probably just play, like, hopefully, like, 60 or 45 minutes, not the whole match. I guess, you know, with Argentina, they have contracts and they have sponsors and they need Messi to play as well. Uh, I just wish that Messi doesn't play the full game and obviously doesn't get hurt in a friendly against Russia. You know, that's that would be the worst case scenario. Yeah, seriously, that would be awful. But yeah, so I think we're mostly going to tune out on 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 things uh, for the next week. I mean, we will be back next week as regularly scheduled, uh, but we'll be, you know, looking ahead. And if if anything particularly bad happens, like any bad injuries happen that affect our club, of course, we'll talk about that. But, you know, next week, we're mostly just going to be looking forward uh, to what's going to be happening for Barcelona. And, of course, we're going to keep our fingers on the pulse of Barca B and FCB Femini uh, because I think they will be playing competitive matches. So, you know, we can at least get a little bit of our Barca fix uh, next week. But as far as these internationals go, yeah, I don't think I'll... I'm not certainly not going to go out of my way to pay attention to them. Yeah, me too. I mean, it'll just be a weekend of, like... uh just doing other things, maybe sleeping, watching a movie, these type of things. <laughs> so that's it for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening once again. Uh, go ahead and be a part of the show. You know, we really rely on listener comments and questions to fuel how we uh, design and plan out each episode. So, you know, part of the direction of any given episode is a little bit in your hands. So give us your comments, your questions, any topics you'd like us to discuss. You can visit us at varsatalk.net to find whatever channel you want to get in touch with us through. Do not forget to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk to all your friends. Until next time, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gaudir Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.